unless what you say is true, I could never be the right kind of girl for you. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Nathan Harrison. Hello. Adam Buncher. Hello. Andrew McDonald. Unplugged and raw, baby. Oh, look out. It's factually inaccurate, though. There are many, many things that are very much plugged in. That is true. Yeah. Factually inaccurate is also the and name of my new he's band. cooked, am I right? Oh, hey. oh. Well, now I'm just salty. Fuck, stop it. I'm getting really hungry. Well, do we have any tasty songs potentially coming up, Deej? Look, we might see that throw. <laughs> see that radio Swish. Work. Yeah, right. Nothing but net. One of us works in radio. Can you tell which one? <laughs> I'm in sales. Oh, well, we are sailing out of the swinging 60s, baby. Uh, and we are moving into the 50s. There's no 50s thing. There's the swinging 60s. There's the roaring 20s. Fearful. What is the 50s? Fearful. The fearful 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there was yeah. a lot of fearful. Fear. Yeah. The bomb. Uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll. People were terrified uh, of Chuck Berry roll. pissing on people, yeah. you yeah. know. Mash. Uh, that, that was set in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Oh, shit. Also. <laughs> oh. Turns out there were no 50s decade, just like art depicting this lost Wait a decade. Minute. Mash. Happy days. We made up the 50s. <laughs> huge, huge discoveries that you will find on no other podcast. <laughs> Stay with us. At number 60, it is They Might Be Giants. With a cover of Cubs, New York City. You called me last night on the telephone. And I was glad to hear from you because I was all alone. You said it's snowing, it's snowing. God, I hate this weather. Now I walk through blizzards just to get us back together. We met in the springtime at a rock and roll show. It was on the Bowery when it was time to go. We kissed on the subway in the middle of the night. I held your hand, you held mine. It was the best night of my life. Because everyone's your friend in New York City. And everything looks beautiful when you're young and free. The streets are paved with diamonds and there's just so much to see. They might be giants at number 60 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That is a song called New York City. It's originally by a band called Cub. It features on They Might Be Giants album Factory Showroom. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a pretty big geek when it comes to They Might Be Giants. I've been listening to them since my age was in the double digits, it's now... Oh, no, single. <laughs> single. Even then, so last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might be, what? What? How old do you think I this am? This band is wild. <laughs> even, even then, that would be a long time, because, like, start of the double digits is 10. Yeah, yeah. The math checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I finished maths in year 10. Yeah, it is slow. And that was, double digits. Year, that was 12 fucking years ago. Double digits again. <laughs> Look at me now! This is how many of these double-digit numbers are there! I'm getting paper! 
hundreds, probably. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't count them all if you tried. If you clowns could shut the fuck up for a second. <laughs> Look, I've been listening to They Might Be Giants since I was a little kid. If it pleases the court. I'll allow it. Yeah, like, it was one of those things where... I made friends based on liking They Might Be Giants because they're such a niche thing. Also, that is wholesome. The court, right? the court rules that is wholesome as fuck. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so we're in the mid-90s. They're at a point now where they're pretty well established as like this cult-following band, and from this point on, they do pretty much whatever they want. They have started up a thing called Dial-A-Song, which every mm. week you call up a hotline, and you get a new song, you just get it played down the phone to you. Well, which that is... started in the 80s. It's been going, like, yeah. yeah, for ages. I loved the story of reading about Dial-A-Song, because these guys started as, like, the uh, resident house band in a club in New York, and they became phenomenally popular doing that. Yeah. This was, like, the first kind of major gig that they had as a band. Even though these guys met in, uh, I believe, primary school... Um, or, or the Johns, high yeah. The yeah. Johns go way, way, way back. John and John, the two members of the Giants. Flansburg and Linnell, That's right. respectively. Um, so they met there, and then they moved away to separate colleges, but they ended up getting back together when they came to New York together, mm-hmm. and that's when they formed the band. And then they got this house band gig. But one of the Johns had a biking accident, and the other got, like, I don't know, his, his shit lifted from his house or whatever. He had stuff to deal with. And they couldn't perform. And people were upset. Like, they were genuinely like, we, we are sad that this band, we can't hear this band play. So they actually set up a little recording device, uh, answering machine in their home. And they recorded a bunch of demos or, you know, takes from their songs on that. And people could dial up the number and yeah, then yeah, hear yeah. those played through the phone. And that happened in the 80s and whatever. And they brought it back, as you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would also go on to make children's records. Like, yeah. here come the ABCs, here come the 123s, here comes science. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, you just have generation after generation of people getting into these very, very eccentric and and fun and weird guys. This is an interesting one because it's not their song. So there's a Canadian band called Cub who put out an album in 1995 called Come Out, Come Out. And on that album is the song New York City. I didn't know this was a cover. Yeah. It's like a Valerie kind of thing. Right. The cover is way more popular and better known than the original song. I think the original is real nice. Oh, yeah, it's a it lovely well? song. Yeah, yeah, cool. It's kind of like a, a somewhere between Lemonheads and the Breeders, and just that kind of laid back, sugary kind of. Yeah, oh, it's nice. Lemonheads, great example. Outdoor type, total Valerie situation. Mm. No, That's not many people. One as yeah, well. not not many people know that song's by Smudge. Mm. Not many people know Smudge. It's cool that they they did that. They've always kind of picked out some very interesting covers to do over the years. Obviously, uh, another Valerie situation for them is Istanbul, not Constantinople. Istanbul is Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul. Is that not theirs? No, that's from like the 30s. The 30s? Yeah, it goes <laughs> way back. <laughs> Another made up decade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd never heard of it. <laughs> How many decades have there been? What is this? I mean, I don't. Hundreds, probably. <laughs> I mean, I do want to point out that we've covered a hottest 100 of all time now. And I don't think any songs from the 30s were in there. Yeah. Or any exactly. songs from the 50s, so. Right. People too fearful to to vote. Yeah. I really like this song though. It's so much fun. Like I just just to bring it a little yeah. bit back. But just that connection between like love and infatuation and place. Mm. Like when, yeah. when you're like mm. super into someone connecting that to the city, I'm really there for that. Like I like that as a songwriting thing. And this is just like 
it's just so wholesome and nice. And it's very like a skewed idea of what New York City is. That's exactly what but I was going to say. But that's what being infatuated with someone is. It's yeah. just yeah. being like, I can only see all these magical things and it's, and it's nice. It, this is so like naive and lovely. Yeah. It, like just that, like everything looks beautiful when you're young and pretty. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, like Giants, man, I didn't come here to feel like <laughs> it's, yeah, it's lovely, sweet, naive, endearing stuff. It's almost cute to the point of punk. Yeah. I don't know they might be giants very well. Like, I know, right. like, some of the singles and that, just through cultural osmosis. I know that they're humorous, but I know they're not a joke band. Yeah, I think they fit into the same kind of thing as uh, your Presidents of the United States, or, the, or that kind of... they're a bit of... sillier than that? They're but they're bit, not They're a little bit out. sillier, but I like... feel like there's a continuum. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You look at it and you go, like, how much is irony, how much is earnesty? And I have a similar problem with They Might Be Giants. When I when I think about it too much, yeah. that not knowing how earnest or ironic it actually is kind of throws me off. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And I, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, you can never to... tell, hey. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think at a certain point, you're not meant me. to. Like, I think that's great. And it does keep a certain tension around it. But it also means that it, it's made it hard for me to develop any kind of relationship with the band. But that's okay, because I kind of like when they breeze in and all of a sudden I'm hearing Birdhouse in Your Soul and going like, yeah, cool. Mm. Like, I'm glad this is here or... Or whatever. But I like this song enough, but, you know, like, I'm not crazy about it. I think the readings that we've had on it, you know, that's that's what's there, and I think that's valuable and cool. But, you know, musically speaking, it's not, like, the most interesting thing in the world, and I'm not... It's, it's hard to get, like, super wild for it. I like it as a friend. <laughs> At number 59, this is White Town with Your Woman. in the 1997 Hottest 100 with a song called Your Woman. You know it. You love it, I'm assuming. This shit been around for 20, almost 21 years. A hot minute. Widely regarded as one of the great one-hit wonders of the 90s. Adam. Yes. I could never be your woman, but could you be your woman's... Your woman? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, brilliant! Yes! <laughs> There's no one answer, just think. Just think on that. Um, Alright, so White Town, British musical act, solo project of one 
Yoti Prakash Mishra, who, Indian background, was yes. raised in the UK since he was a wee bub. It is indeed a one-hit wonder, and I love the fact that he's actually gone on the record and said, well, it's better than a no-hit wonder. <laughs> Second comes right after first. But he's like, he owns it. He, he, kind of, he's kind of, he kind of loves that. But he's continued to also make music until uh, 2011. Mm. Um, that was the last time he, he'd made the music. Um, he might still be making music now as I speak. No way to confirm that. But well, the last he, time we have any evidence of him making music... And recording it. And recording and it. And releasing it commercially. 2011. <laughs> yeah. Last time that happened. Pitchfork said that this is the 158th best track of, of the 1990s. Of the 90s. So I'm actually yeah. allowed to like it. Hey! <laughs> um, which we is good. We got the contracts drawn up. <laughs> yeah. And I actually do love it. I have always loved it. I've always had this weird relationship to this song. It's one of those ones that kind of like floats in to commercial radio and gets played around. So even if you haven't gone out of your way to try and hear this song, you will have heard this song. Yeah, totally. But it's always... It doesn't sit anywhere. It doesn't belong at any table, at any party. How did this get popular? It makes total sense, though. You've got that rolling bass line that's just super textural, and I just love it. Like the... Like, I think John that Peel, works. the late, great John Peel, was uh, resp- partly responsible oh, yeah. for really? the song becoming nice. massive. Because nice. oh, right. he played it on his show, and... Then just got like flooded with requests. the The phone lines were going off. Everyone was running to their to their home phones, <laughs> dialing up Mr. John Peel and being like, "Can you play that song again?" And eventually, it went moved from the night times to being played in the morning, and then boom. This is alchemy, in though, in a song, though. Because if you look at any of the individual elements and you spread them out on a table and you listen to them all one by one, song exploder style, they're all a bit crappy. <laughs> 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 to be aside from that bass line, which I think stands up on its own, because it's just I I don't know anything the, else the like it. The horn loop is alright. Yeah, the horn loop is great, but like the beat's okay and the piano's kind of bad. <laughs> but like. Then we get to the vocals, though, and it's just like putting it through the old-timey uh, kind of radio kind of thing, which um, it's happened a few times this countdown mm-hmm. now. I think yes. it's becoming a bit of a thing. That creates a really nice aesthetic for it, and then you combine it with the kind of, like, gender-bent thing that he's playing with here and also, like, the intellectual thing as well, like, talking about Marxist ideals and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and it just kind of exalts the whole thing to this <clears throat> other state of weirdness where, again, like, you just you go, what is this? And, like, that's the perfect reaction to have to it, and I don't think you're ever going to really answer that question. You're just going to sit in the in the state of, what is this? You know what? I don't really mind. I like it. It's so different yeah. to most, like, one-hit wonders. Like, there's, you, totally. like, when you think of, like, a tub thumping or, like, a Macarena or something, they're just, like, these yeah. things that are obviously poppy and hooky and people embrace it as, like, candy and then it's done. But this is, like, funky trip-hop. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it when artists write from, like, the gender that they're not. Uh, it's always a cool thing. Mm. Like, just, like, at the songwriting technique. <laughs> he does it um, here in such a particular way, yeah. right? Like, the, even I, the way I, he I, sings I, it, like... I, I do kind of have a little bit of... I can never be the right kind of girl for you. I can never be your woman. I know it's not necessarily him, but, like, I can hear, like, fuckboys identifying it like, you're not good enough for me, woman. Yeah, Like, right. I, I, I hear a little bit of that. Classic SJW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm projecting my Tumblr identity. Oh, um, it's not that, but I, I always just... Somebody saying, uh, I can never be the right kind of girl for you is a male fantasy. Mm. A woman adoring somebody, but not... But like, oh, I wish I could be the right kind of... I wish I could aspire to be good enough to be with you. Do you think that's what it fantasy. is, though? Or do you think it's like she's just kind of like, you're a bit crap. I could never be your woman because you're beneath me. Multiple. Maybe, but it's I could never be the right kind of girl for you. Yeah, because you're... Either, cause, 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 I think it's intentionally ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that reading like, is... Present. Yeah. Like yeah. so much of, of the song. But I think, like, do you think it undercuts it by the fact that 
he's embodying that male fantasy, but also at the same time putting himself in the in the position <laughs> yeah, of yeah, being I, the, I, the female I, singer. Like, I, I, I just think like even if that was part of the palette that he was playing with with this track, like I think just in the fact that he's being the person to sing it in that yeah. persona that if it doesn't completely undercut it it at least changes the reading of it somewhat mm. and makes it slightly more complicated yeah i, I, I see what you're saying but yeah. I, I i performatively it's, 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 i don't it's more yeah. my constant anxiety of art being shitty because toxic masculinity of the world is so pervasive that i'm like ah, oh, i hope we didn't fuck this one up oh god but like <laughs> i'm sure it's not that yeah i'm sure yeah. It's, i'm sure it's not it's just like i, I can't help but hear that a little when I hear anybody writing, like, I could never be your kind of woman. But it is honestly a very good song, I think. Yeah. It's- I think as well, it goes kind of goes back to the, the thing you were saying a few weeks ago about space with space. Uh, Deadlier Than The Male. Space. Just in terms of uh, artists pushing past Britpop, the sort mm. of genre trappings, I think there's a real yeah. Britpop melody and structure to this song. But yeah. in terms of the samples and, and the sort of effects laid over the top of everything is clearly pushing back to a different era, much in the same way that, that space had all the, you know... The Bond theme. Yeah, the Bond yeah. theme and the marimba stuff. This mm. is very, like, old-time radio-y kind of vibe, mm. yeah. um, which is yeah. cool. And even, like, the uh, that I love it when samples partly stem from, like, a, the practicality issue of just using an old vinyl that's covered in shit and the grooves are dusty. I love when you hear, hear the dust in the loop. Yeah, I it's love just, like, that. not hiding the sort of material yeah. nature of the sample. It's fantastic. It's, I always yeah. love that. Yeah. I do wonder, though, like, because we were all kids when we started being immersed in this song, very heavily immersed in this song. It's, it's just such a weird song to have become that popular. That yeah, I, I feel totally. like if you came to this in a vacuum, I just have no idea yeah, there, there what you There are some songs you just it. can't explain. It's just circumstantial. Was this on, in a movie or something? That's what I, it's like, or an ad, like a Levi's jean ad, because yeah, yeah. that certainly <laughs> seems to be the trend in, in the UK. Well, that's yeah. the interesting thing. This guy, the, the White Town guy was like this anarcho, anti-capitalist kind of guy. You know, he comes from like a punk background. I found some stuff about what he wrote in terms of the meaning of the song. So in terms of some of the themes that he's personally identified, he says, being a member of an orthodox Trotskyist Marxist movement. I'm uh, back on this guy's team hard. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, White Town, I love you. Being a straight guy in love with a lesbian, being a gay guy in love with a straight man, being a straight girl in love with a lying, two-timing, fake-ass Marxist. The hypocrisy that results when love and lust get mixed up with highbrow ideas. Okay, yeah. I think breaking it down any further than that is kind of like you can, but that to me is a good encapsulation of yeah, yeah. what's being what's happening. That makes it even weirder that it was a hit. Yeah. I feel like very <laughs> few like massive pop singles have the word Marxist in them. <laughs> Fewer have <laughs> Trotskyist. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I don't even know what it is to be a the whole Trotsky's. capitalist music industry is built to prevent these kind of songs getting through. <laughs> <laughs> through the net. Number 58, this is Diana Unaid with I Go Off. A hundred thousand fireflies light up before me and if I turn my head on to the side they become my ceiling and the floor is slippery but I'm not scared because I dance with my guitar when my feet are bare and the lights are so bright and so unreal and my fingers are bleeding but I can't feel it and if you think that I'm quiet then you don't read my eyes cause I've got a lot to say and most of the time I'm I'll go and if you don't believe that I'll go right here right now I'll go and if you don't believe that well, I'll go off and you're not listening very high. 
They are on Ada with I Go Off coming in at number 58 in the 1997 Hardest 100. Nathan, mm. you go off. You can do it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking steal my line, bitch. <laughs> Christ. Like no it. one else was going to think of that. <laughs> Nathan, what do you think of this song? I kind of really dig it. Yeah? I'd never heard of her before. This is Yeah, I figured I'd be the only one. Yeah. <laughs> but this is especially as a debut. Well, like, she's not a fucking household name, mate. She's not. <laughs> um was it ninety seven? Yeah. And she has released a new album this year. Hey, but do yeah. go on. Wait, sure. this year? No, last year. Oh, I don't know. It's I recently it yeah. recently. Uh last year. The poor man's this year. <laughs> 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 Small brain last year, <laughs> expanded brain this year. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, listening to it, I was like, I dig that there's nothing else. I, it's just her voice, mm. which is like, she's got a good voice and yeah. it just kind of powers through this song. And it's nothing incredible, but like, I kind of dig on this. The more I read about her, the less I liked her. <laughs> do, do go on. Like, coming from Nimbin. You uh, went off. <laughs> yeah, I, I went off her. No, because, you know, like, obviously not everyone from Nimbin's terrible, but she added in the A from her middle name to make it a palindrome, but then she added in the H, yes. not only to ruin the palindrome, but because H represents number eight, which in is numerology. which is powerful. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm out. It's also, like, a, a neo-Nazi thing as well. I'm not, I'm not actually, Whoa, I'm, what? I'm, I'm not actually having a laugh. It's like, like... Because the uh, number eight, eight, eight is because H is the eighth letter of the alphabet, and um, Hitler begins with an H. It's, yeah, it's, it's, sure. I'm, I'm not joking around. It's, it is a neo-Nazi thing. Oh, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I know, so I'm not saying yeah, President neo-Nazi she's Andrew McDonald. It's not a neo-Nazi thing. There's actually a few cases in music that I've just kind of stumbled upon. I don't know how we got into this. Um, of bands uh, being influenced by numerologists to change their names. There was, there was a really famous band, uh, well, not really famous at all, <laughs> <laughs> called Matchbox 20. <laughs> 20 is powerful. Um, uh, no, there was there was a band once um, by the name of, you know, I'm not going to even I'm gonna pay on this story. No, 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 no. No, no. no it's too obscure. Like, Come on. It's too obscure, but they, they were like... Uh, we live on obscurity. They were they they were called themselves Incubus Succubus, spelt normally, right? Mm. And then they dropped. The no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, you're very good. And then <laughs> and then like they were they were having like problems breaking through even even locally. They were just- Incubus Succubus were having problems breaking through. <laughs> this is why I didn't want to talk. About. <laughs> nah, come on. But then, but then a numerologist uh, like was at one of their shows, being like, "You guys are not having my- <laughs> a, a good time being musicians." <laughs> The more I tell this story, it's like it's not about the numerology at all. <laughs> this what is amazing. What did they their band name to? This is the greatest story that's ever been they told sh- on this podcast. And their band's name was... They changed their name to Incubus Succubus, but with two Ks. <laughs> that... that- <laughs> Incubus, like as my mate, that sucks that, tremendously. Wait, where? Where are the two Ks? In place of the C. <laughs> Apparently they did marginally better, but like it would—they're not famous, <laughs> so I don't know what point I'm trying to make. <laughs> they should have changed the names. Three C's: the one in Incubus and the two in C's in Succubus. Are you found really? Them? They changed all their C's. Are you, are you liking them on Facebook now? Following, <laughs> following one on, on our fucking Twitter account. I would have changed their name to in- Incubus One Eighty Two, but you know what would I know? <laughs> this sounds so much like you can—you can see her standing. On the fucking RSL 
On so, top of the RSL. On top of the RSL. <laughs> screaming She's had at a planes. couple. She's um, had a skinful. No, but yeah, like standing on the, on, on the small stage, it, it sounds Going like a, off. an intimate small show. Yeah. Um, and the, the, oh, I think, yeah it's in the recording, isn't it? Yeah. You, can, you can tell that it was just recorded off the floor. Exactly. That's something really admirable, I think. I get um, this would have been empowering and indeed perhaps even not to, like life-affirming to a certain number of people. If you were disenfranchised, particularly if you were women, if you like to drift and play music, this would have been an incredibly life-affirming song. Yeah. And rightfully so, and that's great, but like this just ain't for me. It's not for you? Yeah, yeah. Nah. it's like, it's someone insisting how goddamn cool they are. <laughs> like, the bouncer doesn't recognise me a bit. Everyone gets ID'd. <laughs> Did you know this song was written in response to something that her boyfriend at the time had said about why she would never be successful? I thought it was I her boyfriend's like uncle or some shit. That was like, some, even... some I dickhead. thought it was her boyfriend's uncle's second cousin who plays in Incubus Succubus. Yeah. Potentially they were... <laughs> Whoever it was, they basically said, look, you know, you just don't go off live. That was, huh. the, that was the quote. And so she was like, I'll show you. That's kind of cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, them. and like the, the story of how it got to be in the Hottest 100 is pretty cool as well because she just pressed this for like $10,000 um, at a studio in Byron and whatever and just, you know, for the fuck of it, sent it off to Richard Kingsmill at Triple J and then it ended up getting played and then it ended up getting this high yeah, in the Hottest great. 100 from that yeah. year. Like it kind, of, it kind of really resonated for that year. It became a big hit. It was actually on like um, a couple of commercial hit machine style mm. 100% hits and she was only 21 when she wrote it and recorded it yeah she's really 21 cool. she supported yeah. Cake and the Whitlams the year after this mm. that's pretty cool that's why I don't want to like go too hard about yeah, it yeah exactly, yeah exactly exactly. if anyone knows how I can become a numerologist like band consultant I think that's the best job I think that's the job for me I would yeah. like to yeah. go up to bands that are doing it doing it very badly and tell them and charge them money mm. to tell them the way to fix their problems is to add in a number to their name. That sounds. What if like they a already dream. have one? Like five well, seconds. No one gives a shit about five seconds of summer anymore. They've what? got the wrong number, and I can tell you a bit more about that. But I do have a hourly fee that you. I could teach you, but I have to charge. Exactly. Yeah, because you know this person, or at least knew of them. Yeah, do you know her other material. Are you a fan? Yes. As we've mentioned, I got the 1996 Hottest 100 CD growing up. Uh, also, at another garage sale, I picked up the Hottest 100 of 1999. And in the Hottest 100 of 1999, Diana Arnaid. She back. Spoilers. She back. Yeah. Um, which song? A song called Perfect Family, which is quite so different. Clearly, the critical uncle has moved on at yeah, this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I actually didn't know this song. Uh, so I knew Diana Arnade, which is really weird, but I didn't know this was like her her deal. This was like her big old hit single on the bloody McFucking radio. So yeah, it was interesting to discover it. You totally do get that vibe of her, yeah, like rocking it at the RSL, but by the same vibe, hundred percent Canberra National Folk Festival. Yeah, now oh, yeah. we're cooking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as the like adventurous programming part, they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. we're gonna get this pop artist in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a bit wigwag, but you know. <laughs> Fucking, I'm fucking wigwag, so, you know, who am I to judge? I am. I am doing it, and I will continue to do it. This song was a real journey. <laughs> Look, I'm not spending any more time on it, because every three hours, someone gets eaten by a crocodile in North Queensland. <laughs> so let a thousand blossoms bloom, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I think it's okay. I, I quite like it. I think the acoustic thing or whatever, I think just like... Even if the, the lyrics aren't your cup of tea, like the way she delivers them, it's just like a perfect marriage of uh, Alanis Morissette and the John Butler trio. Some may say that's not a perfect marriage, but I think that's <laughs> Some might say that's, it's a perfect family. <laughs> that's the musical math that's going on here. Yeah. I, think, I think it works. Like, I think like, she's, she's got the conviction behind it and the passion. You can hear that. 
terrific band name is Critical Uncle. Mm. Oh, I like Very that. Good. Very How good. is Uncle spelt with two, yeah. two, no, no, no. two Ks? Not, not like No, just one K, page. like Uncle Cracker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew, I'd like to take issue with you saying you've never heard of Incubus Succubus. Wikipedia says they've been described as one of the most enduringly popular underground goth bands of the UK. Oh, wow. You don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, they did make it pretty big. They've been described by someone as the zombie version of Fleetwood Mac. Oh my god! In wow. his book Hex Files, the Goth Bible. Oh man, I have to get that book. At number fifty-seven, this is My Drug Hell with Girl at the Bus Stop. Girl at the bus stop, talking French to a girlfriend on the bench. I had my head. I lost my place when I took a look. Girl at the bus stop, I wished for one that the bus would never come. She sat downstairs. Sat behind, I couldn't get her off my mind. My Drug Hell at number 57 in the 1997 Hottest 100. That's a song called Girl at the Bus Stop. Andrew, you do drugs at the bus stop? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these guys are weirdly interesting uh, Fiercely loyal to old school analog tech Record reel to reel on analog stuff in, like old Using old recording stuff Urged their fans, and this was in the mid-90s To only buy the vinyl To the mm. point where they included a bonus track on the CD Talking about how much worse it sounds And how like they, you fucked up purchasing the CD Next time pick up a vinyl Wow like, Yeah, this first record that this track was from uh, The master tapes were lost the CD was ready to go in um, international markets, but in their local UK, the master tapes were lost. I had to get them back and get like a chopped up version of it or something like that from international markets. You think if you were so gung-ho about, about you'd yeah. look after the master yeah, tapes yeah, a little bit more? Not. Yeah, that was it. That was the one album that came out in 96. They didn't break up, but the next album didn't come out until 2010. Oh, um, man. Just, like through various How did we get things. by? Yeah. Um, and then in... <laughs> Had, their third record was due for release in 2015, remains unreleased despite being ready to go. Who knows too why? Too analog. Yeah, too analog. Because like, I'm a sucker for a good band narrative, but these guys' music just isn't interesting enough to justify all that pretension about fucking analog mastering. <laughs> it just sounds like a fucking kind of nice acoustic pop rock number. Like, it's not a bad song. This is fine. And if this is representative of their tunes and whatever, fucking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck this! Is... <laughs> you came here for professionalism. You came to the wrong podcast. No, um, I mean, surely um, these guys should have just become audio engineers. Yeah, fully. Yeah, like, like it's uh, so interesting stuff. Should have added like, a number into their name. Yeah. <laughs> My drug hell, but the two L's are ones. Yeah. <laughs> I um, actually, eleven is a very powerful number in numerology. Hey! Right? Is that correct? Adam, you can't give this shit away for free. <laughs> <laughs> 
will be talking about Tool later on in this podcast, which <laughs> oh. is really good. Is it a song with stu- numbers in the title? I'll, yeah. I'll study up on numerology just for that. Please, you have to have to make a I'll note. Pre- to I'll do present. That. I'll present a talk on oh, numerology. Holy yeah. fuck! I am living for that day. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a an okay piece of pop music, and I understand why people might vote for it. It's kind of if you happen to connect with it when it was a release, kind of thing like that. Yeah, is this, this is a fine song, but come on, fifty seven, pick up yeah. the game. Should yeah. be, we should be getting... This park life. <laughs> <laughs> By years. Yeah. Just, you just assume that every song is higher than the one previously did. <laughs> so number always 100, getting better. Number That's 100 of 97 is better than number one of 96. <laughs> it's just a long way to the top to be Vance Joy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's just a bit boring. Yeah. You know when, like, if you're waiting for a bus and you get distracted, like, on your phone and the bus goes past? It like, is the worst feeling of the goddamn yeah, Absolutely. Like, I hate but, like, for doing it. this song is the waiting for the bus part, and I just not paying attention to it, and then I missed the bus, and then it turns out I didn't need to catch the bus anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. I don't need to get a bus. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Would I be correct in saying that these gentlemen heard a Smith songs once and it changed their life? Mm. Vinyl. We, we can all agree. Yeah, the, the, we, the Queen we, is dead we've on all vinyl. Been there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, sure, but we don't all write a Smith song afterwards. No. And this isn't even a Smith song. <laughs> this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is a Morrissey song. <laughs> oh, Probo Morrow. Probo Morrow. Probmos. <laughs> Morrow is the least favourite chocolate in the in the favourite spot. Ironically, so. I think my brother always defends the Morrows. <laughs> Why would you make that the hill to die on, hey? Like, does he just have to say something as soon as someone says something about it? It's like, no, it's, no, it'll be like it'll be at the Christmas and it's just like, you know what? They, they're underrated. It's just a good chocolate. It's just a good chocolate. It's like that. No one even said anything, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we, we weren't even talking yeah. about it. Look, to be fair, I'll take him over a, a Turkish delight. <laughs> Tur- a Turkey D. A Turk D. Um, which, no, already racist, whatever. <laughs> so the villain of the podcast is back. <laughs> racist Waluigi. At number 56, this is The Prodigy with... Oh my God, that's the fucking shit! Coming in at number 56 with Funky Shit. Hey, Adam. Yeah. You got any of that, uh... Nope. You don't? <laughs> Taking it all. <laughs> got any of the older... Uh, unfortunately, the is all 
Oh, oh, oh. Is this how people talk about drugs? Everyone carries around slide whistles. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone carries around like a bag of uh, musical props. <laughs> Just like, can I be... <laughs> Shit, I forgot my kazoo. Yeah. Um, Over I- time, that develops and you get more and more instruments and that's how bands are formed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, what's the, what's the, um, the guy on the, like, the old school radio with all like the board of... Oh, like the foley artist? foley oh, artist, yes. yeah. yeah. It's a drug dealers with the first foley artist. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun fact fun. about drugs is that they led to and radio. Foley. And foley. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this song is the answer to a question that has been posed for nigh on millennia. How hype could you possibly be after just one vocal sample? <laughs> yeah. This is the answer to that question. You get the Beastie Boys saying, oh, my God, that's the funky shit. And so it's like, that is the energetic height of this song from that point on you're already at 11 and the song just kind of stays right at 11 and you're just and you're just there it's one of the most monotonous prodigy songs but i don't mean that in a negative way i just mean that in a sense that you're already at 11 the fat of the land is one of my favorite like 90s albums and one of my favorite electronic albums of all time and i think in the context of that album this song is really important because that album is so much about, uh, about the flow of energy, really. Like, this comes right off the back of Diesel Power, which is a little bit slower and a little bit kind of groovier. And then it kicks into this, and this sets you right up before it gets into the next track, which is Serial Thriller, which is, like, pounding. Like, and it's a really nice energetic segue between those two tracks. It's similar to uh, Block, Rock, and Beats in a way as well. Like, it just it sets up the groove, and then it just maintains yeah. that. And you don't maintain it by not changing anything, because there are those moments where it goes in and out or whatever, but it's all building around that one central... It's just one idea. But it's just a really good idea. And it's a really good idea to just get up and fucking move to this shit when it's on. Or ideally, like, the thing I can't get out of my head as being the perfect thing to do to this is, like, pull off some kind of bank job. That's what this song is. Like, it's Super a- good soundtrack mm. to a heist movie. Yeah. 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 But I, I, this, like, what the, the Prodigy do so well is create this music that is so perfect to be, like, absolutely out of your skull, sweaty, dancing, and crazy too. Yeah. Um, but equally suitable to just actively, patiently listening to. As much as, like, this, this is, this is yeah. impossibly hype, but you can put it on with just your headphones and listen to it and appreciate the nuance and the layers and the way that they have turned what, it, what is a monotonous beat. Like in the sense that it is like the the same pulsing energy, yeah. But just managed to turn that into a, 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 a like honestly, it is a funky song, mm. like into this grooviest shit funk machine yeah. that you can just appreciate as a piece of music. It's great for writing to this kind of music, and like they do it really fucking well. But it, like, oh, like it's suitable for both speeds, and like that's why the Prodigy were like one of the big beat masters. Obviously, is because they were able to do that music that's equally suitable for a club or just to hear in the car when you're driving somewhere. And this is more, I guess, more of a throwback to the pre-Flint stuff. Yeah, this is the first Prodigy song that doesn't have Flint reaching through the headphones yeah. to threaten to beat you up. Yeah, Why? yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think like this song is is just kind of pure energy transmission mm. via music. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well, just in terms of trends. Like uh, the Prodigy and Chemical Brothers songs we talked about last season, yep. mm. all had that dip in the middle. That moment of of breath where everything sort of yeah, just fell but away. This doesn't. this doesn't. Block Rock and Beats didn't either. So like we sort of moved. You know, even though it's just about what order the singles are coming out in or whatever. But it's, it feels yeah. like a trend of like, cool, we've got that structure. Like, but now we're just going to go at eleven the whole way through mm. and not let up, which is just like a nice little coincidence more than anything, I guess. Well, but it's yeah. great. At least a variance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this 
didn't really get me the same way that the other like massive prodigy songs have. They're a very inconsistent band for me. I do like Fat of the Land, but like I wouldn't pick this as like one of my personal highlights of that record. I don't know, they're just frustratingly inconsistent because you know about their ping and highs. Because you've been on those ping and highs. The album before the most recent one, uh, Invaders, Invaders, Must, Invaders Die. Must Die. That had some fucking bangers, mm. though. Yeah, like Omen Sick. Omen Sick title track. The title track is amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess electronic club music is often, I guess now, mm. particularly with like prevalence of like SoundCloud and streaming services, is often designed as single moments, and the fact that they were able to make. Albums like Fat of the Land that are consistent is remarkable at all. Yeah. I don't ask for album length explorations of sound from techno club musicians because that's not what they no, do. That's fair. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Apache Record just if there's a couple if of bangers. A, if, I think this is good, but considering they are capable of like all time greatness as far as dance music is concerned. What are you wasting my time for? Let's, let's cut to the chase. Let's get to the good shit. It's like waiting or like taking the fucking ding dong or fucking the hee hoo and just waiting around for it to kick in. This isn't like a peak song for me. Just reflecting on what you said there, Andrew, about the um, electronic artists to really make long explorations of sound. Like, I think that being true has only made Fed of the Land more valuable now. Yeah. Mm. Like, as a, as a relic that may continue to be forever one of the best examples that we have of that. Obviously, like, there are electronic artists that make full-length explorations, but, like, now even, like, the, the, the banging club artists are, like, SoundCloud artists, and they'll be, do mm. individual remixes or drop individual tracks yeah. or maybe an EP, and that's what they do. And, and then so you have you- to rely on someone else to curate. You know what I mean? If you wanted that longer exploration, you have to wait for for a, an external DJ to yeah. curate and place all these things but that's together. That's part of which that is, culture, which is so nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 it's just a different thing, I yeah. guess. If anything, that like that's that was the norm before yeah. bands like The Prodigy and um, True enough, uh, The Chemical Brothers yeah. were yeah, able yeah. to do albums that were like, no, this is an album. This is the album that we've made. This is the seventy or like forty-five minute record that we're setting out, and that's the message. Before that, there was individual DJs spinning clubs, and like Liam Howlett included. Yeah, like yeah, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The album era is is like a weird. That's the exception, not the rule. Yeah, for techno music. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Mm. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue the ongoing saga that is the loop closing <laughs> carryover championship yeah <laughs> we're gonna start with andrew mcdonald uh my favorite is uh very easily the prodigy with funky shit very easy um but my champ remains a dandy i'm afraid <laughs> my loser of the week probably yeah i'm gonna give it to my drug hell girl the bus stop the chump, of course, remains be the loop. With Indeed. Their- the chump remains yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the same. Prodigy um, and uh, but Chemical Brothers is staying my champ. And least favourite is my drug hell. My drug hell. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, chump is still be the loop. If you believe it. Yeah. Yeah, Prodigy is my favourite track as well. Um, I also did not care for... Bad Morrissey. Does my all- champ and chump remain the same. My champ being the ghost of old Tom Jode. You're never going to guess who my chump still is. <laughs> 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 uh, my favourite this week was Your Woman by Whitetown. And my least favourite was Chick at the Bus Stop. My carryover champ remains 
outdoor type. If we get a chump, it's just a bummer. It means there's yeah, a yeah, really exactly. bad it's, song coming it's, up. It's punishment in itself yeah. because there's an even worse song. It's yeah. such a hectic possibility. Yeah. I can't wait to find well, whoever tune our lucky in next week, is. dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> when oh. Nathan has a, has a new chump I promise you this <laughs> He told me this off air Because we're good friends And he's promised me To have a new chump for you all to enjoy Surprise twist It's only his chump Because numerologically He's crunched the numbers <laughs> It's just Hang on Weren't you a boxer? Yeah I can be more than one thing Adam no. Usually it lasts Okay I know it's been half a season So it's about it's about right that it's. About Are you telling me you don't think there's room in this world for the niche of a numerologist boxer? Are you, are, are, are you saying that a I would, pinger, I would see who's that also a dad? Are, are you saying that like receiving multiple blows to the skull would somehow impede the, the deep intelligence requires to say numbers have certain meaning? Nathan, I'm going to have to check in with you while I do the edits to make sure that the final duration for the for the track. Please, actually, please the, do. Yeah. On behalf of Mr. Nathan Harrison. Mm, uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Andrew Rickton. Good night. And Adam Boncher. 21? Adam, no! No! No, you should have been 420! God damn it! <laughs> I set it up for you. That's that's a core numerology principle. 420. Oh, fucking hell. My name is David James Young. Everything is 69, baby! Seven, eleven, forty-two, eighty-nine, one hundred thirty-eight, six thousand seven hundred and twenty-one and a half, four twenty, sixty-nine. Nice.